0: Hey fellow nerds, welcome to Research Hole, a podcast where I talk to artists about the research holes we fall down on the way to our projects. I'm Val Howlett, and I'm really excited about this guest who I went to school with and is a friend of mine and who wrote a really incredible book that I just read. Um, And this guest is Corey McCarthy. Corey (laughs) McCarthy... Pronouns he, they, is the author of weird, bold, and affectionate stories. Corey studied poetry and screenwriting before earning an MFA at Vermont College of Fine Arts, where he now teaches. He co-authored the best-selling Once and Future series, a finalist for the New England Book Award with his spouse, A.R. Capetta. He recently published the acclaimed Mana War, and hope is an arrow, a picture book about fellow Lebanese American Khalil Gibran. Welcome, Corey. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Research is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like anyone from VCFA is from very familiar with the research hole. I feel like uh, perhaps not everyone, but perhaps a co- commonality among, like, our brand of nerds is, like, taking a research hole and making it, like, a central metaphor. Yes. Oh my gosh,
1: yes. (laughs) I had to make fun of myself for how hard I was leaning on this metaphor in the text of this book.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, okay, I think before we even get into anything, we should talk about what is a man a war because I didn't know like when I saw you were sort of promoting coming out soon you know yeah why novel called man of war I fully pictured it being like man a war like like a young man going through a war which obviously is also resonant and like works on that level um, yeah <laughs> But it's also a, a sea creature, right?
1: It it is a sea creature, and I totally started with sea creature. That whole secondary m- use of the 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 man at war, um, that was something that me and my editor were talking about long after the book was written. Um, but it started with man at war. It started with me um, taking a walk on the beach with my Jiddo ten years ago. And walking past uh, a man o' war that had washed up. And I didn't know what it was. So I called it a jellyfish. That's what everyone does. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my jiddo, my grandfather was like, no, that's a man o' war. They're way more complicated than jellyfish. And then I started looking them up. And the truth is that I wrote man o' war into two different manuscripts that died before it became actually the centerpiece of its own book. So Whoa. I kept trying to write about wars and I kept learning more about them but I didn't have the novel for it yet so I would just move this this sea creature from from manuscript to manuscript and I am not the only person to do that I I know a fellow writer who had a manatee that they just moved (laughs) and it was even a sea creature as well like they they knew that there was something about manatee that they needed to write about And that they couldn't let that go. And I felt the same way about Manowar. And I actually just spent like 20 minutes arguing with National Geographic over whether or not I could look at one of their websites. Because they're one of those people who keep blocking your research usage and making you pay for it. And I'm like, I love you, Nat Geo. And I'm not going to pay for you. I'm sorry. I'm not there yet as an artist. Um, Someday soon. But they had a line. And I'm glad I had enough time to pull it up. Because this was the book before there was a book. Um, just this first line from this Nat Geo article online. Anyone unfamiliar with the biology of the venomous Portuguese man of war would likely mistake it for a jellyfish. Not only is it not a jellyfish, it's not even an it, but a they. And uh. that was this. That was a book before I ever wrote it. That was a book five years ago in my head, and I couldn't find the story for it. Um I I saw that sentence and was like this is me um (laughs) (laughs) and then I had to unpack that a lot um for myself and that was interesting the funny thing about Manowar is Manowar is is a nickname for these creatures they're a colony of organisms they're four different organisms that only exist symbiotically and that's why they're they're they and um they're called blue bottles. That's their name. They're blue bottles. Everyone ha- calls them man wars because it's a scarier name and they're venomous. And a man o' war is just a type of Spanish sailing vessel that was infamous for destroying things in the 1700s. Oh, shit. So these sea creatures are named after the ship that, like, if you saw it, it was going to destroy you. And honestly, if you're swimming in the ocean and you run into a man o' war, you're also in a lot of trouble. Um, <laughs> so. But that's the funniest thing is that I mean I ended up working all the way to the end of this novel before telling people like you know they're called blue bottles right that's not even their name. Um, it's but just. But blue it,
0: bottle totally doesn't work. Like it sounds. It like I'm, doesn't. Wow. So.
1: <laughs> no, that's the that's what I call myself now. I'm a recovering man of war. I'm a blue bottle. <laughs> Sorry, it works that way. <laughs> I'm a blue bottle at peace now. Um. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> it's the other side of the man of war.
0: <laughs> oh my god. I have so many different questions. Like like do the ships exist symbiotically or no? It's just about the it's just about the the carnage.
1: It's just that these ships when they have their full sail. So if you look at a man of war, unlike jellyfish man war have a large part of their body that is on top of the surface. Mm-hmm. And that just that part that you can see, it actually resembles one of those ships, like the way the sails all go back. Um, yeah, so they actually look alike. They do. I'm not. They're not wrong. They do look alike. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, yeah. And- so just, just they just got. I got obsessed. You
0: know. Yeah, and and tell us a couple things about the Man of war, like how how do they exist symbiotically?
1: So the funny part for me that I kept writing towards. So I would learn new things about Manowar, like that they're a symbiotic colony. They use they, then pronouns. I was starting to, you know, they're, they're, they're venomous, not poisonous. And there's a difference. And I just go look it up. It's important to know. Um, as <laughs> <laughs> a human.
0: Venomous, not poison. Oh, God, everything is resonant. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> I know. Right. Um, and everything that I and then the one thing that killed me is that so I was writing this book this book is dead um it was called this universe inside and it was a fun manuscript that I was working on I was working on uh some grief of uh, a grandmother who I had who um was a a hoarder and I would go and stay with her and so I wrote this book about what it would have been like to empty her house because we all had to do that when we lost her um, and I was writing this book about it and for some reason Manowar needed to be in this book too because that's the stage I was at where you just keep well, the manatee just kept showing up uh-huh. and I so I this character was from Pennsylvania and I was like well that's okay I'll make him go to an aquarium to see a Manowar and then I looked it up manawar can't live in aquariums but that doesn't stop scientists for dunking them in tanks and watching them die over and over again. That is where we're at with war. They are so prevalent as a creature that no one cares when they're murdered. Um, and I uh, vibed Whoa. with that a little too fucking hard. And... Um, You know, because they need tides, they can't exist in a tank, and and no amount of scientific research and studying of the lunar gravitational pull on the oceans can mimic what the tide does to these creatures. And so, again, the metaphor hit too hard, too close, and it was, and, and, and then I started thinking about growing up in a town with SeaWorld, and that's where the book came from.
0: Did you it grow w- up in, in a town with a, an aquarium?
1: I did. I grew up two miles down the street from SeaWorld of Ohio. What? Um, almost all of the stuff in this book is based in truth. Um,
0: I wondered. I did, I I, did I change
1: be- SeaWorld to sea Planet because I don't want to get sued. And also because i wasn't actually trying to replicate how they are in existence i was yeah. literally exploiting them the way they exploit animals right um, <laughs> yeah felt felt wonderful to be honest um and that SeaWorld did close while i was young and there and like some of the really random parts of the book like a river's brother working at sea planet after it closes and just being a nighttime security guard to keep drunken teenagers out that is literally what my brother did after SeaWorld closed. Um, and so I got to use so much of my life. my re- my A lot of the research in this book was just my life.
0: Yeah, I there was a particular thing in the book that I was like, this is too weird to not have come from truth. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was the, the diving mermaids
1: yes, I can't tell you how many people have asked me if I made that up. And I was like, you can Google it. See, Planet still puts humans in tanks in little tiny suits. They now put males and females. They used to only do females. Um, People really think I made that up. Yeah, I was like, no,
0: it's too weird. Like, like I'm not saying you can't dream up weird shit. If I were an author trying to imagine, trying to dream up how... A person, a young person's body could be exploited by having them wear, like, a little bikini for an audience. I wouldn't have them diving for pearls. I'd have them, like, dress up as a mermaid or something. (laughs)
1: which they do at the renaissance fair every year (laughs) not
0: not the one i go to
1: but i did go see quote-unquote mermaids at the renaissance fair in michigan and guess what what you described is exactly what they put on show
0: (laughs) (laughs) and also you know i know that there is a community because i see them on like instagram or whatever of like people who love dressing up as mermaids and that is like their bliss and like god bless them Yes.
1: Um, oh yeah. Oh, and I've totally I'm going to tell you. I've totally swam with one of those tails that it's like a basically a bathing suit, but you slide it all the way over your legs so your legs become a mermaid tail and I have swam in one of those and it's really fun. Just go. Is it that.
0: really hard? It looks like it would be fucking hard. It's
1: going to kill your abs. Like the best ab workout you've ever had.
0: Yeah, but, like, diving for pearls is weird, right?
1: Oh, yeah. That that one is real. A lot of a lot of the exhibits are just from my memory. Um, the actual penguin encounter that we spent so much time in, because it was the only place with air conditioning um, <laughs> yeah, on the whole park, uh, you know, like that. It was called the Penguin Encounter, and, like, so much of my youth was just spent... When you live in a town with SeaWorld, you go there for you. You have a community pass. You go there for ten minutes to um, run through the water park, or you know, you know. It's like it was such a everyday part of our lives. Um, and then I absorbed a lot of a lot of what I would then be like talking to people about, and um, Manowar with the interstitials. So this the sea creature in interst- interstitials um, mm-hmm. that I developed in the second draft uh because the first draft was too sad and
0: (laughs) i say that really
1: fast (laughs) i gave the first draft to my adopted mom and she called me crying and was like i don't know how to get through this book and i was like okay um i'm just gonna add a bunch of sea creature facts because that makes me happy but then of course she called me back again and was like these are really sad sea creature facts (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, "You're, you're right, you're right." I don't know. I just, I, I, I got st- all of a sudden researching animals in captivity, and talking about being a trans person in Ohio became the same thing, and it became the only way to write this book for me. Because I' gonna be honest, I never wanted to write a coming out book. Yeah, I, I knew that what I was gonna say would be horribly. Miserable, um, and so I never knew if I was ever going to be able to write it. Hopeful enough that to me it should be out there. Um, that was a that was a battle that I've been fighting the last two years. It does feel nice that the book is out and I can kind of just Viking funeral and just push it along its way and be like, do do what you will, book. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well. Okay. I I have so much to say to that. One is that. Um, whew, at some point, an agent a long time ago said to me that um, and this agent was straight um, this agent said to me that like sort of with surprise that people are still looking for coming out books that like the agent was hearing that coming out books were still yeah. relevant in YA and I was like well, well yeah because <laughs> YA yeah. Because yeah. cause that's when you... I mean, that's when a lot of people start to figure it out, you know? Um, right. And I think that, for me, one of the things that was really fascinating, so fascinating that I, like, called up a friend and, like, had to talk to them about it, because um, as as an aspiring writer, I am constantly like you know doing that thing that all writers do where they're like oh how is this working like like what what is what are the knobs turning inside this that make this work yeah and um i i was i was like this is a coming out book that works in a way that feels different to me and i have to know why um and I still don't entirely, but I have some, like, <laughs> theories. <laughs> um, one thing I love about the book is is that I think it feels very true the way that it lasts over many years. And I think there was, um, I think I read in one of your reviews, it resists the idea that coming out just happens all at once. yeah um and i think that the jumps in time in the book are so crucial um and to f- f- to readers i should say in the book there are these there are these sections and you meet this character river um when they are river uses they right i can't remember R- river uses
1: they he is not incorrect for River either but I gen- generally I use they them uh, the, the, the very last page River uses he so I feel like okay, okay. like me River is a, a they he or a he they um, gotcha okay uh, yeah no you you got it
0: <laughs> yeah and, and I think like is very they in early parts of the book maybe or early yeah
1: and I've been telling part. people that I'm he they but River is they he and some people understand what I mean by that <laughs> <laughs> I did so have fucking to real. <laughs> It's it's so real. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I did I did have to like make some make some changes otherwise I was just felt like I was writing memoir. Um so I had to make some some command different changes with this character cuz I gave them so many of my own life experiences and I mean, thank you so much for saying that you feel like it works as a coming. When People would say, like, you need to write a coming of age, a coming out book and you, for YA. I would just blink at them and be like, how? A yeah. YA is under the constraint. It's almost, almost always under the constraint of this book takes place this summer. This book takes place senior year. This book takes place over a week at camp. Um, I don't believe that the trans identity could be squashed into, for me, For what I wanted to say. I couldn't squash it into a moment. There couldn't be a moment. There could be a lot of moments. And I was really lucky that my publisher, Dutton, um, which is an imprint of Penguin Teen, um, completely agreed with me that coming of age doesn't stop because you go to college. You know, I I started college as a 17 year old. I had not come of age. Let me tell you that. Oh, you Um, did it early. Yeah, I was just I was just a young pup, like I turned eighteen, you know, the first month of school. But gotcha, like gotcha. Yeah, but I was but I was a baby child and yeah. I you know, I feel like so much of our coming of age is leaving the house, whether it be for college or for whatever comes after high school. And to say that YA has to fit into this 14 to 18 bracket is really uncomfortable especially for queer identities which require so much time to develop and safety you know and that was the other thing is that i knew that if i was gonna write this book i was gonna have to start in an honest place you know and i and i like to you know we're on a podcast and people are maybe thinking about reading it and i will front up tell people like River has so much transphobia and homophobia internalized in them that in the beginning they are a very homophobic person, and that can be really hard for some people to read. So I'm always telling people that up front, like to have that amount of coming it to go from being so far in the closet that you don't know you're in there slash you hate everyone who isn't mm-hmm. um, to being a free, affirmed human Um, so in this book it took 15 years you know we start with River at 15 and we end with River the last two pages reverse 30 and um, I was I was really lucky that my publisher just they were they trusted me with that because it is breaking the the quote-unquote rules of YA Um, yeah my favorite YA book growing up the one that actually helped me have faith in Humanity was Jacob Have I Loved, and it did the exact same thing. It went, the character was an adult at the end, looking back and being like, holy shit, that was worth it because now I am who I need to be and I am who I want to be.
0: Oh my God, Jacob Have I Loved.
1: Yeah, and so like I totally just trusted Catherine and I just, (laughs) I totally assumed that they were going to try to cut me down. And and of course, Andrew Carr was like, I'm perfectly fine with this. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) I was like, if Catherine Patterson can do it, but she's been honest with me in telling people that even 40 years later that she still has like, you know, re- readers, you know, teachers and librarians who are like, I don't understand why this, this teenager is an adult at the end of this story. Um, and, and it's not, it's not teenagers that don't understand that. It's always adults. Um, we have to know, I, I feel like as queer, as queer people, we, we have to know what we're aiming for. Um, I was told that being queer would be such a miserable thing that I would never want it as a teenager. They told me that over and over and over again. And, yeah. and, they, and, they, and they tricked me into believing it. And so I, I just, to me, I'm like, you just have to know there's like the best fucking life out there for you. Uh, like and it's not the It Gets Better campaign because we all saw how that one turned inside out
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I so relate to like the desire behind the It Gets Better campaign even though the like even the way it turned out you know what I mean like yeah like it was just a bunch of adults being like I wish I could talk to these kids and, and be like look like there's a future for you
1: yeah yeah I just want to tell them instead of it gets better I want to be like straight people get less important yeah Um,
0: that's
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm like don't worry they'll eventually learn they're not the center of the universe and it'll be really hard for them but you'll be living your best life so it'll be fine um
0: Yeah, yeah and they'll be less important to you for sure
1: Oh, yes, definitely. and and, you know, because we rate we're raised in these environments and we're told that we need to make sure that the people around us who we care about always support us and that we're they're always that they always have to agree with who we are, and that's just not that's not true. That's not true at all. I mean, I have so many people asking me right now, what do I do about? this person in my family or this best friend who's not affirming the trans people in our lives like what do i do how do what what books do i give them how do i how do i help them and i was like you don't you don't you live your life you reject them they hate being rejected so much that it usually wakes them up um mm. they don't believe that queer people trans people have the right to move on with their lives and that is the sort of message that I'm trying to put out there. It's like, these people you will probably have a relationship with once you give them the middle finger. <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough, they need to know that you also have power and your identity also matters, and it doesn't exist because they agree that it exists. Um,
0: I might cut this out because spoilers, um, but one of my favorite parts of the book is when River says to their mom, or like leaves them a note to their mom, that just says, I'm happy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm i okay with spo- I'm okay with spoilers. Then. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's like they keep wanting us to, to say we're sorry or something. And it's like, no, I'm happy. And if, if you're not happy for, for me for that, then I guess we're done here. Yeah. You know, I guess we're done. And the people in my life who, and I'm going to be honest, if you've read Manowar, you know that I have a lot of people in my life who don't want me to be this way. And they want me to know that they don't want me to be this way, and simply by turning it back around and saying, "Well, I feel the same way about you," it's very <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I mean, people want to know if the turfs find me. The turfs are really bored. They always find you. They just—they're so sad. I don't—they don't even bother me. I just feel sad. I'm like they're so miserable. They sound like me at the beginning of Man of War. Um, yeah. Aww. Yep. Yep. They do. <laughs> they do. And again, if they know that you feel sorry for them, they get even angrier, and I don't know, that feels good sometimes. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think everybody just realized that we're just friends, and we're just talking.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know, because I'm like i having this thing where I like want to talk to you about sea creatures, and I do um, fully want to hear what you secret your facts from you but I also just like wanted to just chat (laughs) so I think I also have had a push pull in my own internally about writing a coming out story because I can't seem to not I've I've written a story or two where it's not even about that and then it becomes about that um, right which is just like ugh so annoying (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> and even when I when I was at VCFA I was really stressed about it to the point where I wrote my critical thesis on whether the coming out story was over um because it was so I, yeah and I graduated summer 2012 yeah so around the same time and I was working in publishing very like baby working in publishing like um I was an assistant marketing manager at a children's publishing house. And it was a really weird time for publishing because YA publishing, because it was post-Twilight. Hunger Games was in the works. Like, it was coming out. um, And there were all these articles starting to show up in, like, PW Children's bookshelf and stuff that were, like... We need more than just the coming out story and kids want to just see like queer joy, which Mm -hmm. is like so true. And kids do want to see a queer joy and, and there hadn't been much that didn't involve the coming out story before that time. Like, um, I think now we're in a really, really different time in YA publishing. but it was 2011, so we were, you know, there were a few books that were sort of beyond the coming out story, but you could count them on two hands. Yeah. Um, and and then I felt guilty because everything I wrote was a coming out story, kind of like I didn't know how to write about being queer as a teen without writing about coming out because a, like coming out is a part of being queer as a teen for so many queers like yeah uh even if it's not your whole teenagerhood it's it's in there usually um i came out as a, a bi and then a lesbian pretty soon after each other like in 2003 and it wasn't great yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was really, really, really hard, and and it was. It's it's like I didn't know how to write about m- anything that involved me and queer joy, and also like I. It's not that I don't want to write about joy, and like joy shows up in my books, but like I had a hard time as a teenager, totally aside from queerness. And also I was closeted. And also I find writing about joy kind of boring. Um, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got, yeah, you got to find the right angle on it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so I, I like had this whole panic and I was like writing about. I did this like deep dive into like queer lit. And I basically was like, okay, here are some books that do coming out really well. And named a few, you know. Um, yeah, yeah but I th- I still find it an interesting tension like the dichotomy between wanting to tell kids that they're fine and that queerness yeah. is great and like the reality of the world you know, shit's hard out there too and like especially when you're coming out. Um, yeah. And when I read your book I thought to myself, like, wow, like you've managed to write a character who is closeted and has all of these like misperceptions about queer identity and like themselves, and who and it's not cringy. And I think um I think so often coming out books are just cringy. I think part of the reason yours isn't so cringy is because we as the readers have an awareness that the character doesn't have and that is made really clear somehow you manage to make that really clear and maybe you do it through other characters who are cool and like we as readers see that the other characters like have just a real clearer view on themselves and maybe it's because we as readers like see that river is deeply unhappy and I think it's also perhaps because that because you, you don't have River say all the shitty things that they're thinking. Like like yeah. you don't need to spell it out for the reader. We just can sort of feel it.
1: That I spent I spent a while on my own soapbox being like I don't want to write a coming out book. I don't I don't want to keep perpetuating a narrative that it's impossible to be gay no matter what the end result is. Um, and that was all I could see, because as a child, I would just see something like Annie on my mind and be like, why, why even? I mean, when mm-hmm. I was in high school, that's when Boys Don't Cry come out. Oh, it God. is no exaggeration for me to say that I stayed in the closet for 20 years because of how damaging that movie fucking is. I hate that movie. Sorry, I get very, very... Yeah, my blood no. pressure goes
0: straight up. <laughs> I could never watch that movie. I like. I, like, have left... Because I know what what happens. um, Yeah. Yeah. And and I've like left the house like when people want to watch that movie because I I just like I can't even be near it.
1: Yeah. If you're if you're a trans or non-binary person and someone decides that they want to if you haven't seen the movie and someone decides they want to tell you what happens. Say no. Thank you. Run away. Say no. no (laughs) Thank you. That's garbage academy trash um <laughs> that is like that like i i have i've been joking around but i make a lot of bold statements in my life and i'm like hillary swankles me a, a face-to-face apology and i will probably get it at some point in
0: my life because i'm that stubborn i bet um, you will I, I believe in you <laughs>
1: uh yeah it's oh, it's so hard but, but i think the only reason i ended up agreeing to write a a a quote unquote coming out book is that River is against coming out the whole book. It never changes. Mm -hmm. Like, the times that they decide to let themselves be outed, you know, for the sake of a a newspaper article. um, For me, it was very important to show people that it has nothing to do about River. Coming Out isn't about River. It's not for River's safety or sense of self. It's for other people being dumb. It's funny, I've had a couple of people be like, wow, I thought this book was scathing, and then I read the resources, and I was like, yeah, I took my gloves off for that one. Um, <laughs> you know, of just like these problems that we are uh, adding, it, giving to kids, we are giving them to them. There's nothing at risk about an affirmed queer kid. Nothing, not a single thing. Um, and I was really old when I learned that I thought that there was something inherently damaged about queer kids because I, that's what I was told over and over and over again. Yeah. And that's why they were at risk and they're at risk because they're fucking abused by society. Yeah. And then society turns around and says, you're at risk because your identity is faulty. Um, and I have no patience for that. So when I found that sort of undercurrent of maybe I'll just write a character who is as angry as I am about this path we keep putting kids on. And now I'm seeing people come out without coming out, which I I love, I love it, you know? Like, you don't come out, you arrive as yourself, and if they're wrong, then they're being rude and wrong. Like, you know, um, I'm starting to see this in TV shows too, where a character just shows up and is like, I am fucking here and I am trans, deal with it. And then you just keep moving. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love that those people who want to pause everything, and introduce themselves have that platform, and I love that there are people who never wanted that stage to be built and for them to be dragged out onto it. That can just skip it, um, and that's what I hope to give Gen Gen Z. Like you don't have to put you don't have to come out of a closet that you didn't put yourself in. You yeah, know? you don't.
0: That's such a it's good not way your... of putting it, Corey. Like the the. The fact that there's a plethora of ways to be um, out, right? Yeah, and that like some people want to let you know, and like some people don't fucking need to. Yeah, yeah, and then the um, so people,
1: some people enjoy this, and some people will be irate irate by it, and oh, you know, I, I did know it would piss some people off, but I do have a word for, um. What has previously been called Straits, but the Allocis Hedosaurus Rex, uh, which we call in Manowar the dinosaur. The, the dinosaurs. Ancient, the the <laughs> ancient art of the dinosaur. So I would love for people to come out as dinosaurs and be like, hi, I would like to just come out and share every, to, with everyone that, unfortunately, the way I was raised, I assume that everyone is also a dinosaur until they tell me otherwise and I'm very sorry that I was raised that way and I'm going to try to be better now um I won't stop until the dinosaurs are coming out as dinosaurs um
0: and and for people who haven't read the book yet um it's so good like in Manowar River and their partner Indy start um referring to straights who are would you say it's specifically straights who are very entrenched in their views, right? Like, sort of...
1: Yeah, it's people... It it's definitely. Muggles.
0: It's kind of like muggles.
1: It is. It's the Het centered world. Like, every baby born is Het unless otherwise noted. That is a dinosaur right there. <laughs> like, <laughs> whoever told you you were getting, like, in <laughs> the order form for your child, like... Who the fuck knows who they are? They're gonna tell you.
0: <laughs> and talk about resonant, like playing with metaphors and resonant metaphors, because in your book, like River and their community are sea creatures, and the very opposite is dinosaurs. And dinosaurs are also extinct. They're fucking yes. extinct. And and <laughs> it just it just they're they're of the old world and it just it works on so many levels.
1: I know I I that was something that was a, an ongoing joke that we would use to talk about the talk about the outside community when we were having in community spaces like um, my my spouse and I created um, a, a retreat for aspiring um, LGBTQ IAP plus writers um, And we did that for three years in a row, and it was wonderful when we get in this room of of 20 people, and we would only be talking, we're all in community, talking about our needs, our struggles, and we needed a word for the straights, and no one likes the word straight. Um, Because it's not, it doesn't really encompass what we're talking about. Um, Right. you know, and, and we got tired of saying Alice's Hedasaurus and my brain immediately went Alice's Hedasaurus Rex and then it became dinosaur and then every year the dinosaurs would come back up because it, we needed a word and there was a line in Manowar that I was proud of that was like it was nice to have a word for them since they so pointedly had a word for us
0: yeah um,
1: yeah, because every single any any of the people who've been honest with me that it made them uncomfortable. I was like, oh, why don't you apply that to other communities then? A few people like write something on Instagram and tag me, and I'm like, oh, the dinosaurs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there, go, there they go. There go. It sounds like from the very beginning, the sea creature metaphor was intertwined in the writing of this book to the point where you wrote to different books before you wrote this one um yeah is there something that made this one click into place like oh this is the book that's gonna involve the man of war
1: i think it was so this is something i'm telling all my students at vcfa for years i've been saying this uh, and you do that thing where you give other people advice and then you realize you're not taking your own advice And I was telling people, like, I I watched so many students trying to learn craft and novel writing whilst also learning how to world build and, 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 and. And I'm always like, what if you worked on novel writing with a setting you know intimately? There's no way that it's it's going to be easier for you in a good way. It's going to make it easier for you to write. So... I knew I wanted to write about Manowar and then all of a sudden I was like read that fact about them not existing in captivity in aquariums and yet aquariums keep keep trying to keep one alive like it's the game the game show Will this one stay alive more than two weeks let's find out um and I and I read that and I I knew that I was like oh fuck I got to talk about SeaWorld and so my brain immediately went back to these days at SeaWorld where I would stand and stare at the killer whale in the tank and be like, I feel you, pal, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and, then, and then I was like, there it is, there it is, a book about SeaWorld and Manowar and whatever, and it doesn't have to be any more personal. Holy shit, I was a swimmer, and I felt like a sea creature in a tank in those lanes, in those fucking um, women's suits, that um I still have nightmares about and I that's where the whole story came together and but it was those pieces for my life. I was a competitive swimmer for 10 years. I did walk away because I couldn't do the gendered sport anymore. Um, and yeah, use what you've got in your life. Man of War was super super easy to write setting wise, character wise, love story wise just wrote my own love story. Um, you know, I, uh, Gus, uh, August, my, my spouse, um, some, <laughs> the readers have picked up on the fact that I call them Gus and it's really cute now. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Gus asked me what it would be like if we met in high school and they came from an affirmed queer family background and I did not and so I said very very sarcastically it would be just like when Harry met Sally um, but at (laughs) SeaWorld and (laughs) and then he started writing it and I was like imagining the very cool queer angry person that Gus was and the very homophobic scared um, you know uh, closeted human that I was And I started writing them in the same scene, and it was easier because I was drawing on what I knew from both of us, and I was drawing on SeaWorld, and my experiences as a competitive swimmer, all that research was inside of me, you know? Um, And it made it really, really easy to write the very not easy parts of this book, and I won't even pretend, like, the personal stuff I put in here was easy. Um, But you know about that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Like pretty early on because Indy and River have um a history that is very complicated. Like River made Indy get fun of get made fun of when they were kids. Um sort of unintentionally, but like still so did bad. damage. Yeah. And yeah. and so like Indy has every reason to hate River and, and I think the line is something like I keep wanting to hate you, but every time I talk to you, I just want to give you a hug. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think Indy
1: calls River the puppy that no one wanted.
0: (laughs) Um. (laughs) Uh, And it makes so uh, much sense that ultimately, like, they have this, like, hot and heavy thing that develops over time, but they can't, they can't wind up together after a high school romance that is so intense. Um... Like, that they they sort of have to part ways and, like, learn River needs to grow. Yeah, and I I like the idea. So I am one of those people who
1: likes, I like a a love story ever after. Like, I just do. Um, It feels good when I read it. And yet one of the things about YA that's so hard in being a YA author is being, like, wanting to give... A, a sense of actual real love in a story but then also wanting to repair teenagers that that doesn't mean that's it that's not this is not edward um whatever his last name was i find i've lo- lost i have lost the twilight land. Last- no, oh, you brought it back <laughs> i was like wait
0: my brain no, is I'm trying even, i'm writing it. a vampire short story right now so i'm i'm in it Corey. I'm, i am i am reading every vampire yes story and watching every every vampire tv show and i have been listening to twilight on audiobook and I, I,
1: no judgment i read all four twilights in one weekend and then applied to to go to vermont college of fine arts no shit so. really yes yes i read all of those books i had no idea what ya was I was writing a book, and someone said to me, this is YA, and um, and I worked in a bookstore as a teenager, but there wasn't a YA section. Like, I'm trying to tell people, like, you could grow up in the 90s
0: and not know what YA is. Totally. Um, I mean, I think a lot of adults still don't.
1: Yes, that's true. Or they think it's, a like, a subset of children's publishing. They don't understand that it's a whole different beast. Um, yeah, a whole they, they call
0: everything for kids age, like, seven and up YA. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I had no idea why it was. So I went into a bookstore down the street and was like, YA? a question mark?" And they were like, "Twilight." And I was like, "Okay." And I and I read all four books and I put them down and I looked I was I was I was married to to a dude at the time and I looked at him and I was like, "Yeah, I can do this." <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I am, I couldn't finish the audio book, but that makes sense to me. Like, because it's it's really rough on audio. Um, yeah, like you need to zip through them. I think. Um, yeah. But but listening to the audio because she's not a good writer on the prose level at all, Stephanie Meyer. But she is really good at creating like a smoldering BDSM scenario. Um, yeah. And that that's what carries people, I think, is like the like, I love you so much, but I can't be with you, but I want to destroy you. But I can't. I can't. And, but I <laughs> yes. need to be near you all the time. And like, that's hot. Um. <laughs> Perfect
1: for vampires. So, I mean, that's what, what I always came to vampires for was that sense
0: of, you know, they understand that. I date someone who is in grad school for fiction, but not YA. And um, is our age, or my age rather, I'm 37, and is in grad school with a lot of people who are, because like the sort of traditional, you live there, residential MFA programs, it, they tend yep. to run young. Um, and so a lot of their friends in the program are in their like mid 20s. And we were talking at a brunch about. Twilight, and I was talking about being in publishing when Twilight came out, um, because it, like, revolutionized what YA was, Um, and publishing, YA publishing just, like, did a full about face, and then everyone tried to be Twilight for a couple of years, and they were talking about, the 20-somethings were talking about it being, like, the seminal work of their teenagerhood. And, like, yeah. shaping them in a way that, like, Harry Potter shaped a de- generation, you know? Um, yeah. And you can't
1: ignore that. Yeah, and I, to this day, I will tell my students, like, I'm not supporting, I'm, I'm not making any judgments on the material, but, you know, those books are a master class in tension, in low stakes tension, and high stakes tension, like, going from low stakes to high stakes. <laughs> <laughs> like, up and down and up and down. It's like, it's like, um, Stakes. Try- Charlie Jane Anders is always telling people to, uh, if you haven't read her amazing um, essays on writing um, Never Say You Can't Survive I'm telling everyone who's listening right now you need this book in your life because she says the honest things like, are you having trouble with stakes? Why don't you watch the CW TV shows? They'll teach you what stakes are and how to make sure they're in every single scene um, just the whole like vampire diaries, you're just gonna, you don't know If your neck's gonna get snapped in this scene or not, it probably is. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched Vampire Diaries, but almost every scene ends with someone's neck getting snapped. I mean, they just, they know how to like keep that level. Um, So I'm always telling people, I'm like, these things that you wanna like maybe tear apart or say that they're not good because they're too popular, maybe you should just take them apart and see how they work. Yeah. Um, you know, I learned so much from the books that I don't necessarily like. Uh, and that's, I don't know. I, I, I just, I feel like, this is why I love your podcast idea. Because stories come from everywhere. You can get a story idea from reading a book that had one page that you got so mad at that you literally have to write a whole book. To, <laughs> that's to, so to, real. <laughs> to get, yeah, you're like, that is so off. That I now have a whole story idea in my head, so I'm always telling people, I mean, if you're only writing the things that you look up to, you might get intimidated, you might shut yourself down, um, you know, and it's all, it's all about tricking ourselves into writing these days. I don't know if you're having the same problem, but I have to really trick myself into writing. Um,
0: well, I years. guess it's good to know it doesn't go away, because yeah. you have many books under your belt, and you need to trick yourself into writing. Yeah, I I
1: sold a book in January and um, I'm supposed to turn it in in September and my editor's not going to listen to this so it's fine it's cool. um, Yeah, <laughs> I haven't started working on it and I haven't started working on it because I don't feel it yet and I know I will and I guess it's taken me 10 years of doing this to know that you don't chase the muse you don't chase a shadow with a flashlight um, and yeah, it's it's uh, man of war. I wanted to write for about five or six years, and I kept putting pieces of it in other books. But when it was actually ready, I wrote the whole thing in five weeks. And damn, you know, five weeks, five weeks. But then I was very sick afterwards. Oh. <laughs> so like, won't say it was a healthy five weeks. Um, but. You know, but when it's ready, it pours out of you. So I'm, I'm trying to get better at realizing that I'm writing books in the back of my mind, even if there's no word count um, for months at a time. Yeah, uh, I should listen
0: a, to this. I, every, everyone who writes should should hear. It. Just replay uh, what Corey just said. It's just
1: so hard. It's so hard to be patient with your own creativity. Um, but. That's, yeah, that's it. So now, so now I'm like, now my new thing is lying around the house just telling my well that it's filling.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, I needed to hear that. I have really struggled to write this year and it's bad because I have taken time. I left my job. um, I'm freelancing now so that I could have more time to write. And uh, I have some extenuating circumstances. Like my life is falling apart in other ways, but like uh, still doesn't feel great doesn't feel great um yeah and I hope I hope I will be able to soon you will you're you're like I'm trying this is how
1: I try to trick myself like I'm already doing it like I'm already doing it I'm making myself think about my story I'm taking long walks yeah I'm I have written the book incorrectly like six times in my head already which is good because that means I didn't do it on a paper um, <laughs> Like, at this point now, I'm like, well, you just wrote the t- first two pages of the book that that's not going to be the book. So, like, reverse engineering. Um, totally. That's not it, but maybe the next one will be. Um, I have so many documents that are something-something man o war on my computer that weren't the book. It was called How to Date a Portuguese Man o War and it was a rom-com at one point. <laughs> I started writing it and was like, "This is not a rom
0: com." <laughs> <laughs> You're like, "But I want it to be because I don't want to write the hard part." <laughs> I know. Do oh. um, do you want to talk a little bit about sea creatures?
1: Sure. Yeah. Any anything.
0: Um, I can't remember. I think you explain it in the book why manawar need tides, um, but I don't remember why. Do you know? Can you tell us? Yeah. So they, um, they as as a colony of polyps,
1: they don't really, they can't really move. Um, so they, the tides actually are what give them a sense of life. I think they don't think they're alive when they're taken out of the tides. I think that they think they're already dead and they just expire um, because the it's the well. The funny thing is, is that they can. They have that little bladder-filled top that sails. Their little manowar, uh, like ship-type thing. If they see a bird, if like a bird comes over and tries to eat them, they can deflate and then sink down. Um, At one point, all of the interstitials in the book were just facts about manowar. I think that was the first draft, where it was just like, and in this next section of the book you know you're so the the interstitial would say something like "Manowar can submerge to hide from enemies and then the next part of the book was river submerged back back to you know because river comes in and out like the, cl- the quote-unquote closet and river comes in and out of it throughout the book mm-hmm. depending on how safe they feel and how honest they want to be with those who are around them um and so that was like that was so there were a little like manowar facts and then I started diversifying and wanting to talk about honestly I wanted to put a whole bunch of weird breeding facts into the book <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause> because I,
0: <laughs> I think are, are there us, good breeding facts or you just wanted to like be like breeders like <laughs> I
1: just I just wanted to I so like for me it was one part of writing this book was I very much needed to teach my publisher the difference between assigned sex and gender they did not know it's okay that they did not know it's okay that lots of people don't know but it's now time for you to learn what the difference is if you're listening and you don't know it's time Um, but one of the things I talked to them about was like you're basing this on mating and gender isn't mating like there are parts of there's Venn diagrams there but you know how a species propagates itself physically is not gender. And that started, it was easiest to start that conversation by talking about how animals breed. And man-o-war, they breed in a crowd or by themselves. They do whatever the fuck they want. Um, Yeah, they, they, they can multiply all by themselves or they can hang out in a group and have a great time. I just love that about them, and uh, and then you get to sharks, where sharks are loners and they avoid each other a lot unless they're mating. And then if they're mating, the shark will the the male shark will bite the female shark so the female shark can't get away while Oof. mating. When you read these things and you have feelings, you're not having feelings about sharks; you're having feelings about humans. And I oh, wanted to. Oh, that's true i wanted to evoke that sense of you're seeing this through the human lens you're seeing everything through the human lens um and and kind of just bringing that back up like because i i i i vacillate between really really hating humanity and not but one of the things that helps me hang on is to continuously make us animals we're animals where animals and animals do things and animals do things that are horrible and they do things that are not horrible. And knowing what behaviors exist in other animals helps me understand why humans malfunction so much. Um, and that, you know, and, and then finding the really joyful ones like penguins, penguins give each other presents. Oh. Um, pe- pe- penguins hold hands, hold flippers penguins kiss with their eyes closed. When you learn that, you feel different. Like, it's the same <laughs> as the shark thing, but the inverse. They li- They close their eyes when they're kissing each other. What the fuck do you think they're seeing? Oh. They love each other. It's love, you know? And when you learn that whales have more emotions than humans do... What?! You get upset. Yes, they do. They have more emotions than humans do. Um... Whales, dolphins, um, killer whales who are not killer whales. Killer whales are dolphins. Funny fact there. Um,
0: Wait, wait. Oh, my God. Uh, They have more, like, is it more variety of emotions? They have more spindle cell than we do. Um, What is
1: a spindle cell? So the spindle cell is what amplifies an emotional reaction into something that's almost sentient, right? Because our emotions as humans... They're inspired. Someone's mean to us, and then we have a feeling about it. But then that feeling goes on and has its own life. Um, that's the spindle cell, and that's what makes it differently, like um, than you know, animals who will avoid someone who was mean to them, but they're not bearing a grudge against that person. So whales, the, the, if you look at killer whale, if you've ever watched the documentary Blackfish, which I will admit is biased, but also. All documentaries are biased, so that's an important thing to note. Um, that 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 documentary is very very anti Sea World, and if you're surprised by that when you go in, I, I don't know how to help. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know how to help. Like I've I've had. Well, I, I say that as someone who grew up in a town with SeaWorld and still has peers who are attached to positive memories from that place, um, and I respect their positive memories, but also captivity is. Inhumane, especially for for-profit captivity. Um, uh, you know where we basically turn refugees into circus acts. Uh, it's it's a very like I don't know. That's where the seek facts came and I have to tell you that like I don't. I would have lost energy for this project if it didn't. If River wasn't obsessed with marine life as as obsessed as I am, mm-hmm. and then that helped me write it because you know i don't know the sea creatures like this looks like they were cheering me on and oh. i've never vibed i've never vibed with the closet metaphor but the but it, but but it felt like being in a tank against your will you know Cause the closet metaphor is always like oh it's fine you're in the room with us there might even be some air for you um mm but it's not what it felt like it felt like I was in a tank and someone was tapping on the glass and wanting me to act a certain way and I was in there going I don't swim like a fucking barracuda I'm a fucking octopus you know (laughs) the way we get put into these tanks with these labels on them Um, I was thinking
0: before I came before we uh, recorded about parrotfish have you ever read parrotfish I don't think so no So (laughs) another paper I wrote while I was at VCFA was about trans novels, but it was 2011. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So there were four, and I wrote about all four. Um, And one of them was Parrotfish by Ellen. Yeah, Ellen Whitlanger. Um, It's not my favorite, but it was significant at the time for being like... A story about a trans boy that wasn't devastating. Like um, one of the books that had come out around that same time was Luna.
1: Yeah, I remember Luna.
0: Yeah, and Luna won the fucking or it was like a national book award finalist. Yeah. And it's it sucks. Like it's, it's it sucks. It's it's trauma porn, and it's um, it's not well written and no <laughs> no everything went wrong with that one yeah um, um yeah. i hate i hate to badmouth a the book but what's her name isn't listening to this anyway so it's fine um and you know she's written better books uh that i like yeah so it's fine um but but parrotfish came out at the same time and it was like very it was about a trans boy who like is is coming out and learning to be a sort of like identify as a dude in school after identifying as female and like the subplot is that his family o- owns the Christmas house in the town. Um, yeah, and and you know they 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 do Christmas all year and it's like a lot for all the children in the house. Um, yeah, like it's it's very like. It's nice. It's like a nice little story that isn't trauma porn. Um, but I was, but parrotfish is the central metaphor, I think, because parrotfish have some kind of like gender thing going on. Um, and I was just thinking about how queer and trans people identify with sea creatures often. Yeah, <laughs> that's such a real
1: thing. Like I had so many people reach out to me and vibe and and I, and I and i think i got one yesterday with someone with someone some some trans reader was just like you said something nice about the book and then immediately it was like corals are my favorite polyps though
0: <laughs> and i was like fair <laughs> fair and i'm like why is that what it is what is it about sea creatures or the sea and i don't know the answer but i wondered if you had any thoughts
1: I don't know. Okay, so my spouse who identifies as a gender, um, really their gender is pirate. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they like. I remember when I was working on this book, and it was so obvious that River is the manor, and River is me, and I'm a blue bottle, and all those fun things. And I said to them, Ooh, "Do you want me to pick a creature for you? Like, obviously, it's not going to like play out metaphorically, but what creature do you vibe with?" And they were immediately like, octopus? Like, it wasn't...
0: It wasn't they didn't a question. Have to, yeah. They
1: didn't have to think about it for even a second. It was octopus. And, and I, ice, I you know. get
0: it. I, I yeah. see it. Wow. Yeah.
1: Why and is that so
0: immediate?
1: It is. It is just octopuses are are, are are obscenely intelligent, and they only have one bone in their body, which means they could literally get into anything they want to because their body is water, and they could pour it through things. No! Yes, they only have a teeny tiny little beak and um, that is so powerful it can punch through the back of a lobster. Um, (laughs) They're really cool creatures. Um,
0: My mind has exploded so much in the past hour.
1: I'm so glad. I'm such a nerd about these things. Like, with octopus... So, so those interstitial sea creature lores, they all, like, talked about... Vaguely talked about gender or sexuality in some way, and we're talking about mating and stuff. And then I would also talk about the difference between. Uh, the life of the sea creature in the open water and in captivity, because people don't understand what captivity costs animals. Mm. Um, and especially an animal who's really, really smart like an octopus or an animal who is obscenely emotional, like a whale. What What's actually happening to these creatures. And all of the animals had like significantly reduced lifespans. Like poor seahorses barely survive in captivity. Please don't keep seahorses. They, they really need to be on the reefs. Um, <laughs> And then there's octopuses who die after one year in the wild. One wild, chaotic year. And if you haven't watched the documentary, My Octopus Teacher, please immediately do it. It will make you feel better about being alive. Um, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do you that You should. This it's weekend. so good. It's so, so, so good. It's an hour. It is stunning. You could even put it on mute and just listen and it's just a guy who went scuba diving in the same spot every day for a year and made friends with an octopus and um it's amazing but when octopus are in captivity they live a lot longer many 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 years longer and they're not meant to so they have one wild year and then they mate and they die so both both the male and the female of the species mate and then die in the in the creation of the next generation so unbred octopuses in captivity can live eight years and they get so angry and so bored that they eat themselves (gasps) yes and it and it it hurts their their the the people who work with them so much because humans are like long life is better duh and it's not it's not better it's not better for animals we you know and i i just feel like we learn so much by watching them and paying attention um
0: you know maybe it's something about how it being um why queers and trans people often identify with sea creatures is because they're not mammals they're so different and it like it just offers us these visions of like really different ways of being in the world and being alive
1: yeah yeah
0: i i totally see that and
1: i think did you see the movie luca yeah yeah i we we felt really our our child oh my gosh we have a 10 year old watching him watch luca was interesting Hmm. um he had a lot of huge feelings he did not know what to do with but my favorite part was that they would yell ah sea monsters and the sea monsters would yell ah land monster Is <laughs> <laughs> that's how i feel like i go places now and i'm like "Ah, oh, there's too many dinosaurs here <laughs> <laughs> that's so <Sorry>. real <laughs> but i do i do think we think of each other as different kinds of humans um and, and there's nothing wrong with that you know we could celebrate that um yeah i will i really wish i really wish difference was the coolest thing on this planet
0: the, you mean That's, that it was celebrated as the coolest thing
1: yeah like that was the coolest way was to be yourself in your own way whatever that means um and I don't know. I suppose that's my hope. I always give myself little messages when I'm doing, like, a podcast or an interview, and I wrote on this one, be positive. So I think I was positive.
0: (laughs) You did great. I
1: give myself little pep talks.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Corey. Are there any sea creatures that you fucking love that, like, did not make it into this book? Or, like, sea creature facts that, like... You tried to include, but it didn't work, or something like that? Oh, I think there were
1: tons that I would love to, like... I I did have to, like, cut myself back, and I had to cut all... All of them were a lot longer, and I had to cut them down, because the whole point of the interstitial is just to set the time break. But I will say that my favorite sea creature fact that did not make it into the book is that starfish have eyes. And they're on the ends of each of their arms no yeah people don't think starfish have eyes. they have eyes they can see things from the ends of their arms oh man yeah which is cool now because because you' I know we've all looked at starfish and we all learned the same one fact about starfish which is that they you know their stomach comes out of their body digests something and then goes back in their body with the food um, already digested and that's the only thing I knew about starfish for a very very long time. And when I got to the eyes, I was like, how much more of, how much more of sea life, how much more of humans do we just not know? We just learn the one fact, and we move on. Um, And that's why the research hole is so important. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, eventually River becomes um, a conservationist, and that wasn't in the first draft. That was something that all came in because I was like, this book is entirely about identity and I want River to care about what they're doing with their life, who they're end, where they're gonna end up living, who they're gonna end up being with. Um, and, and you know, making space for that and being like, no, I, I don't want it to be a cliche. If, if River's fighting all of these things to be themselves and to be with the person they love, like they deserve a good job. They deserve to live exactly where they wanna live. Um, Yeah, and that's, so that all came in in the second draft, and that helped me balance out the harder parts of the material. So the research was like inspiration, but then also uh, bandages for the wounds I inflicted (laughs) on myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, little band aids. Little like, well, okay. Let's just take a minute to talk about octopus fur, and, and you're bleeding. Hold on to your bleeding heart for a minute, and think about penguins kissing with their eyes closed.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I do think the book feels balanced. Like it, do, it never felt too hard to read for me. Um, that's and great to hear. I'm like, I'm like sensitive like that. Like, I, there, there's some stuff that's like close that I can't even do. Um, but yeah this and I think I think it is a testament to the fact that you write character really well and like I really wanted to know not only did I want to know what happened to the characters but I also just really enjoyed being around them like they were funny
1: good thank you I I worked so hard I kept yelling at my editor over and over, only yelling because I was yelling at myself but he had to listen because that's the editor's job <laughs> um, which is just like it has to be approachable for queer folks for trans folks there are so many trans books put out in publishing by now even ones by trans people who are very good books and I can't read them because they hurt me because they trigger things that I have moved on from uh, mental health wise and can't go back to and so like every single chapter of this book I was like this is going to be painful but there's got to be a love story or humor or hope or random sea creatures being weird like there <laughs> has to be something <laughs> I just want the re- I want the reader to know that I'm not going to hurt them on purpose like I'm not it's I'm not going to hurt them without a reason that is hopeful in the ult- in the ultimate game um the ultimate game of the narrative yeah and yeah. I think,
0: too, like, readers are rooting for River, but also River does a lot of stupid shit. Um,
1: oh, God, yes.
0: And that's good. Like, like you yep. don't want to write a saintly <laughs> martyr kind of character. Like, like, River's kind of like a headstrong idiot, and, like, we all love a yep. headstrong idiot. And, like, that creates distance, too. When River does things that are like very satisfying but also like not very smart. Like like when they beat yep. up the, the that other character, um, and then they lost their job. Um Yeah. Like, it was so satisfying to watch River beat up that character. And like but you're like, oh River.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're like, damn it River, you just like, I, I wanted you to do that, but also why?
0: Yeah. Um, and I think that that kind of feeling about a character prevents it from being so hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to. River, you know, that whole like, make sure you're not protecting your character too much. Um, yeah. I never it's had hard. a problem with River. River was always like, hang on a second, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot. And I'm like, could you just, <laughs> I need you to walk across the street before you do that um (laughs) i don't know why i got so much joy lampooning my more immature self but it was very cathartic i mean i took this book with me to therapy you know like i wrote this stuff this stuff's inside me like what does that mean and my therapist is like i think you i think it means
0: you got it out Um, so I think our readers by now know where they can get a book um, but where can they learn more about you where can they follow you all that kind of stuff so right now I'm really only
1: available on Instagram um, I have been hi I uh, social media is a, is a tricky place uh, for people like us and Instagram seems to afford the most protection um, I don't know why or how that is. Uh, so I if you really want to follow me...
0: I by the way. I don't think every author... Hot take. I don't think every author needs to be on every social media platform. Um. Yeah,
1: I just committed just to this one. And I left Twitter over a year and a half ago. And I... Um, uh, my hair is not turning gray exponentially anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think Twitter goes straight to the hairline. Um... <laughs> But uh, if you're bold enough to fight that fight, good for you. Um, my website's pretty up to date. Me and my spouse share a website because uh, they're expensive. <laughs> and uh, so if you want to find out about us and the books that we're writing, um, they're all very queer. It's onceandfuturestories.com. Uh, mm-hmm. That's probably the best the best way to come. And um, on my Instagram page, there's a link tree. And so if you wanted a signed copy of Man of War or a signed copy of any of my books, that link tree will get you to Bear Pond um which is my local indie bookstore and they are wonderful and anything you want me to sign i just pop down and sign it and then it comes to you um if you're in north america i should add
0: that's so nice and also yeah can attest because i got man of war from bear pond and i live in philly and i got a little pre-order perk which I, i need to ask you about i got i'm gonna post a photo of it for the show notes um, awesome it says misgender at your own risk and it's a pick of a man-of-war like a little stamp of one and how did you do that oh I ha- okay so I have been for all
1: of my books the past years making these little rubber stamps for the for the signing page and I'm getting rather good at them
0: I Dude, that's <laughs> been <so> doing- smart
1: <laughs> it's I feel like it's a really fun thing to do that feels like marketing but it doesn't feel like it's it's bad work. It's good work. I'm always trying to tell people I'm like there is a lot there's a lot of publicity and marketing that goes with being an author that we honestly don't talk that much about. But you have to find the things that you like doing. Yes, already. Cuz cuz you know making yourself be available on Twitter every day just because you're an author might not be the best choice for your career or yourself. And maybe you need to make rubber stain. <laughs> I don't know that that pre-order campaign was very successful. Um, But I also really wanted to offer people something to hang up, like we talked about earlier in the show, just the whole idea that you misgender at your own risk. Someone who walks in misgendering people is the person who is wrong, and it is not on the people who use different pronouns to correct them and school them. It's on them. They, they can look like a jerk. Um, and you might get stung. That is the other thing.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, you might get it, stung. And also, I think it's a really good point that, that you do look like a jerk. Like, if you've yeah. been told that someone's gender is, or someone's pro, what someone's pronouns are, um, yeah. and you purposely avoid using them again and again at all times. Like, And I'm not talking about making a mistake like we all I do that um
1: oh we all do I'll just
0: I'll say sometimes uh, like about people I love I'll say she and then I'll be like they you know like that's okay like but just purposely not trying um people register that people take that in if you're wondering if if anyone noticed we notice
1: yeah oh we know I love how they think maybe that that it it slipped by and no one we always hear it always always so when you act like maybe you didn't do it you look real bad
0: yeah and like all we're asking (laughs) is like for you to fucking fucking try
1: you know yeah Um, just say sorry and then you just re-say the sentence and that's it and that's it you don't make it about why you messed up yeah and you don't make it about how embarrassed you are that you messed up you don't get you lost that privilege you just apologize and you keep moving forward and that is the most respectful way um and i and i and i am telling i'm telling cis people all over the place practice please practice with your cis friends practice with your cis friends learn how to use pronouns on other people so that when you're actually meeting someone who's using a pronoun that is new to you or new to you since you've known them that they have recently changed, you've already practiced doing this.
0: Yeah, and I could see you being like, I'm never gonna do that because that feels so weird. And like, can I tell you, like nothing feels weirder than <laughs> yeah. than going through the world and constantly being called something that you're not. So like you, I, you can yeah. feel a little weird first. It is.
1: It's a little bit like when people are processing the idea that I've called them a dinosaur right. and they don't like it. Where <laughs> they take a minute and they're like, "But I want to be offended," and I'm like, "Go ahead. Just know that that means that we have the right to be offended forever." Yeah. Oh, I'll see how that <laughs> works.
0: <laughs> so everyone, you gotta follow Corey. Um, you can get. Manowar at Bearpond Books or your local um, bookstore. Bookshop.org is also great at like getting books online that are supporting indies. So awesome. go, go find it. And should we talk about your picture book for just a sec? You have a picture book yep. coming out too. S- um. So,
1: yep. Speaking of research, I have... it. It You know, it was supposed to come out like two years ago and then it, it, there, there's been all kinds of fun things, but... Next Tuesday, July 5th, um, uh, which I don't know when this is airing, so by July 5th, uh, Hope is an Arrow, um, the story of Lebanese-American poet Khalil Gibran will be out, and it is a picture book that is ideal for Five and Up. Uh, it teaches the life story of the third best-selling poet of all times, uh, Khalil Gibran's The Prophet has been in print for over 100 years, and... Uh, it has been uh, translated into over 40 languages it is poetry that is in support of all religions working together and all humans acknowledging people's differences which is obviously an important theme in my work Um, and also you know in Manowar River is Lebanese American I am Lebanese American and and that's how I found my way to Khalil Gibran and and his work and um I I feel like we could have a whole podcast on that because that that nonfiction research is
0: my favorite. Really? <laughs> well, maybe I'll bug you again later. We can when when Hope is an Arrow is out, and we can talk about that too yeah this is so thank you so much for having me this has been an absolute blast oh my god thank you i loved talking to you about this i feel lucky that i had had a reason um (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was like nerd stuff yes (laughs) now we have a segment on our show called something i learned this week where someone sends in a fun fact and we just react to it so you want to do that with me sure this is a forwarded email from great friend of the pod Leah Felicity Lucci Um, the subject line is oh and also the Basquiat thing Um, she was sending me a bunch of something she learned all at once um, so I think this is one the email reads when I was in Orlando I saw this Basquiat exhibit and was like that was like we found this trove in a basement turn out, turns out they might have all been fakes. Do you know what Basquiat is? I don't.
1: I have no idea. Like, I want to look that up. How do you spell that?
0: B-A-S Q-U-I-A-T Yeah, I'm getting a person. Yeah. Okay, Jean Michel, maybe? Basquiat Yeah. Is
1: Okay, so somebody found a bunch of, uh, I don't know pronouns, but Jean... Jean... Jean Jean-Michael? Well, they're very cool. Wow, that's a bold style.
0: Apparently... So, um, the email says, turns out that one of the tip-offs that they were fakes was a piece on cardboard featuring a FedEx typeface that didn't come into their branding until years after he'd died. And she links me to an article... That says the FBI seized 25 contested Basquiat paintings from the Orlando Museum of Art. Wow! So they made it all wait all the way to a real art museum.
1: So this oh is a, before they figured
0: it out. You know what? <laughs> I'm gonna do a little research and put it in the show notes. So um, yeah, if if about this artist. So if you want to learn more. Um, yeah we'll let's, have-
1: let's all learn more about this yeah because I'm oh,
0: curious What?
1: now I want to know more so thank you reader for writing in and we're all going to find out a lot more
0: yeah thank you <laughs> everyone go to the show notes to check it out and I'll also include links to Corey's Instagram and once in future so you can check out more about Corey's work thank you all for listening yeah uh,
1: thank you for happy me.
0: research Happy research! Everyone go Happy. research something weird and, and if you if you find out something cool, email me at researchholdpodcast at gmail.com.
1: And if you are putting the same random sea creature into book after book, <laughs>
0: maybe give it its own book. That's <laughs> the lesson. <laughs> um, you just listened to Research Hole. I'm Val Howlett. Our music is by Joey Howlett. Our logo is by Leah Felicity Lucci. You can follow me on Instagram at Val.Howlett Val. or subscribe to patreon.com backslash Howlett, One word to get more goodies like interview clips, bonus materials, and more. Goodbye. Bye.